0: Good morning. Welcome to YPC, and we're going to serve God today in this wonderful weather. The weather's cooled off, and I'm so happy about it because, boy, it was pretty warm. Let's all stand and sing our first song together today. You're worthy of our praise. Two, three, four.
1: Gracious God, you know our hearts, you know our fickle hearts, our inconstancy. We say that we want to give over our lives to you and let you control it and then we take that control back. We say that we want to love you and then our hearts go in every direction. Lord, change these hearts of ours. Send your Holy Spirit that we might, out of wonder and thanksgiving, out of gratitude, celebrate your great goodness this morning. You are the Of a righteous remnant this morning. It's good to see you all. Stephen said, you know, what a weird week. We waited all winter, all spring, for it to be warm enough to sit out on the porch. And then it got to be too hot to sit on the porch. What was that all about? Paul says, I've learned to be content in all circumstances. The Bible has sends these interesting messages to us. In this place, we're supposed to learn to be content, sort of. But we're also not supposed to get too comfortable here because this isn't our final home. We're not supposed to invest too much of our emotional energy in this place. For God waits for us in the future and has another home that is being prepared for us. So I welcome you. Um, whether it's hot or cold outside, God is there. We, we welcome you always here and, and worship. Um, You'll notice there's little bulletin tabs to fill things out on and put that in the the, uh, offering plates when they come by here in a little bit during the children's lesson. Some stuff that is going on. Next week, it's the Congregational Micro-Meeting, and and it's going to be in between the services. It'll take all of like one minute, I think, unless her campaign speech goes really long. Uh, Nancy Koval, we're electing her to be an elder, and uh, that'll be all there is. The session's kind of getting into micro-meetings, so. We might spring a few more on you throughout the summer. We'll see how that goes. And then July the 12th. Um, I don't know how many of you know this, but John Calvin's birthday is is the week of July the 12th. He'll be 500 years old. 500 years old. And I don't think he looks a day over 50 myself. <laughs> but, but... so. Churches all over, Reformed churches, Presbyterians, other folks all over the world will be celebrating John Calvin's birthday. But I think we are going to be the only church where John Calvin is actually going to be here. He's promised to show up. I hope he's not wearing that. It's going to be hot. But, but uh, he's going to be here on July the 12th because he needs, because I can't do this, he's going to explain for us the, his doctrine of election and predestination. So he'll be here to do that. Um, John Calvin, July the 12th. We'll also be ordaining and installing some new officers that day. There's a baptism. A lot of good things are happening. Then um, the next week is the church picnic and corn boil. All in one thing. The uh, uh, Fellowship Commission is really... Trying to figure out how to boil corn at a distance, and you know, they're much weeping and gnashing of teeth, but they're working it out. It's exciting. Who knows what'll happen, but there will be corn for sure and picnics. Sign up for that today, that's on one of your tab thingies. And then um, the next week um, is the Run for Hunger. That'll be taking out, takes place right here on our property, at least it takes off from here. We need lots of volunteers to make that happen. We already have a bunch of great sponsors. You can help out by being a volunteer, there's a place to sign up for that as well, or you can run the race too, that'd be great, or you can volunteer, run the race, and then volunteer some more. Yeah, just ask any of the running people, they'll tell you how to do that. And uh, so that's the 19th. And then, one other thing that's going on with that, and that's unique, for this Wednesday, a lot of people come up to me, maybe they do this to you too, and they go like, I wanna, I wanna be able to help out Uh, with hunger issues, I want to be able to help feed the world, but I I want to know how I can do that and drink beer at the same time. (laughs) And until this week, you've not really had a good opportunity or way to do that. Paul, can you turn that down a little? Thanks. uh, This week, Wednesday, at Flight 112, downtown Elmhurst, they're a sponsor of the race, and throughout all the cool cars under the stars, Wednesdays throughout all of uh, now until way into August, but especially this week, if you go from 7 to 10 p.m. and you bring food to Flight 112 or you bring money for the food pantry for the Hunger Run, beer's half price. So there you go. Um, drink beer and feed the hungry. <laughs> Only in America. There you go. Okay. And then, one more thing. Vacation Bible School, August 3 to 6th. You can sign up to be a volunteer for that. There are CDs out here to learn the songs. And Jane Swearing is standing there in the doorway, has a table out there. And if you'd like to help out with snacks for VBS, just take one of her little 3 by five sign up on the deal. You can bring strawberries or tomatoes and stuff. And, you know, I don't know how that works itself into the plagues, which are happening. Do we throw tomatoes at each other? Is that, they're like, they're boils? Something like that? Okay. Anyway, there's food out there. Do that. Lots of sign-ups. Children of the congregation, would you come forward for your morning lesson with Mrs. Yu?
2: Yay, thanks for coming. <laughs> we'll come on up here. How are you guys? You look good. You look well. I'm going to ask you a question, though. Have you ever been sick before? Yeah. What was it like, John Hunter? Oh, not good. Okay. Yeah, not good. How about you, Grace? Coughing. Okay. Didn't feel good either. Jackson, how about you? Pardon? Lying in bed. So what are you thinking about when you're lying in bed? Yeah, you're real sick and you're thinking... Or do you ever think about, Abby, like what other people are doing and that you're missing out on fun? Oh, oh, Abby had strep throat when it was not too hot, not too cold, that perfect weekend. Yeah, and it's it's sad, right, when you're missing out on all the... Oh, and then you had to go to school. Okay. (laughs) Well, guess what? There was a woman that we learn about in the Bible who was sick for 12 years. Can you even imagine that? I mean, one weekend seemed awful, didn't it? So can you imagine 12 years? And so... She wasn't able to do things with other people. She could probably see everybody having fun and doing things, and she couldn't. She didn't feel well. And then she kept going to different doctors to try to get help, and she spent all her money doing that, and nobody was able to help her either. If they couldn't help her, she would have this, um, she kept bleeding, and so then she was very weak. And so she had this horrible 12 years of this going on. And then she learns that Jesus is going to be in her town. And it turns out that you know, by now Jesus has been healing so many people. People know um, she hears about this and she knows that Jesus can heal her. She has the faith in that. So she decides to venture out. Even though she's really weak, she works her way into the middle of town and there's this big crowd around Jesus. She can hardly even see he's coming, but she sees this big mass of people coming along. So she decides... Um, You know, she's in clothes that are kind of older, you know, because she doesn't have a lot of money anymore. She sees that these crowd of people are here, and she decides to work her way. And she sees him coming along, and she thinks that all along as she got there, she's like, if I can even just touch his cloak, if I can just touch the end of his um, clothing, I will be healed. I know it. I know he's so powerful. I know he's so awesome that that's all it would need to happen. And so she does. She kind of goes in, and she touches the end of his clothing, and you know what? Instantly, she's healed. Immediately. She no longer has the bleeding. She no longer has the weakness. She feels perfectly fine. She knows she's well. And in that same instance, Jesus feels this power being pulled from him. Now, he didn't see her touching him, but he then says, Who touched me? What do you think she's thinking? What would she be feeling? Pardon? She's thinking God, okay, yes, she is. She's thinking he's God. But she's a little afraid, I think, because she's like, oh, why is he asking this questions of me? So he asked that, and the disciples look at him and go, well, Jesus, there's all these people here. I'm sure a lot of people touched you. What do you mean, who touched you? And he says it again, and this woman realizes that she needs to come forward. So she comes forward, and she goes down on her knees at Jesus' feet, and she says, it was I, and she tells him her story. And Jesus says for her to get up and that she is fully healed because her faith has healed her. Now Jesus knew um, of her situation. He wanted to make sure everybody knew that she had been healed so that she could be once again among everybody, right? She could do the things that she wasn't able to do. But it was her faith that had healed her. So even Jesus, without even touching her with his hands or praying over her, she was instantly healed because she had that faith and she knew that he is the Son of God and that he could heal her. So I have for each of you to take with you a cloth to remind us of her touching Jesus' cloak and that her faith, when she touched it, is what healed her. So when you go home and you pray, I want you to keep in mind that you are praying because you have faith in God. You have faith that Jesus can heal you as well. And keep that in mind, too, and that you can share this good news with others, too. Okay? Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much for loving us so much that you are always there for us. And we just pray for great faith that we can always believe in you and always know that you are the God of the universe, that you are here for us, that you heal, and that we can share this good news with others as well. Be with us in this beautiful day that we can go out and enjoy this great weather. But help us to be mindful of those who are sick this day and that we can pray for them. For we know that you heal and hear all of our prayers. And all God's people say, Amen. Thanks, guys. It was nice seeing you.
1: to how we uh, build this week, I um, decided to expand the scripture lesson a little bit to, to include the larger context of this story that Angie just told the children. So what's really going on today is that that is a miracle inside a, of, a, of a larger miracle story about two people in pretty dire straits. As we read about them, Let's ask God to help us send his Holy Spirit. Lord, you are the light of the world, and we ask that you enlighten our minds to receive your word, your living word. Help us to hear deep within ourselves as you speak to us about who we are and about who you are. Amen. So in Mark 5, 21-43, it says that when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side of the the sea, a great crowd gathered around him, and, and he was by the sea. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came, and when he saw him, fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come, lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed him and pressed in on him. Now, there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. She'd endured much under many physicians and spent all that she had and she was no better, but rather grew worse. She'd heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak, for she said, If I but touch his clothes, I'll be made well. Immediately her hemorrhage stopped, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that power had gone, out, gone forth from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you. How how can you say, how can you ask, who touched me? He looked all around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease." When he entered, he said to them, Why do you make a commotion and weep? The child's not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Then he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him, and he went in where the child was. He took her by the hand And he said to her in Aramaic, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, get up. And immediately, the girl got up and began to walk about. She was 12 years of age, and they were overcome with amazement. He strictly ordered them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. And told them to give her something to eat. What an interesting little piece of the story that is, don't you think? I mean, if you were going to make this up, which a lot of people do think, right? If you were going to make this up, and you were going to, you know, write a novel about this of some holy person, if you were going to create a hagiography that describes a, a wonderful saint, this isn't a detail I submit to you that you would add to the story, Right? Oh, and by the way, give her something to eat. You tell this fantastic story of Jesus bringing this little girl back from the dead, and then you'd have him say to her family, "Eh, give her something to eat. By the way, she's definitely dead, regardless of what Jesus says. The mourners, he's doing a little test with them. The mourners laugh at him when he suggests otherwise. Now that laughing itself is interesting. Why do you think they're doing that? Why are they laughing at Jesus? When he says, she's not dead, she's sleeping. They laugh because they know dead. They know this girl is dead. They live in a world where death is a huge reality a bit different than our own. You know, we hide away death quite a bit in our culture, right? For them, you know, death among children was much more frequent. When people die here, it happens away from us. It usually happens in a hospital or, you know, in a nursing home or something like that. And then they call for the funeral home and they come and they get the body and and all of that. But not in Jesus' time. Death was a reality and it came often And everybody from early in life knew what death looked like because there were no funeral homes. There were no hospitals. People died at home, and they were laid and stayed at home, and they were buried from home. Last week, uh, I was wandering around uh, a place like this, a cemetery in St. Charles. I know that sounds a little weird, but I, uh, I recommend that as a holy Christian discipline thing. Find yourself a cemetery, and wander around in it. It's good for your soul." So I'm wandering around and first I went in there because it looked pretty. I thought, oh, that's a nice place to walk. And then I'm wandering around in there and I started reading the gravestones, the markers and stuff. And I came across this one monument that sort of captured my eye. It was for the Wilcox. It was a Wilcox family monument. And on there it had the patriarch Samuel Wilcox and he died in like 1904. Now, this is back 100-plus years ago, at the turn of that 20th century. But underneath his name was his wife's name, and it said Linda Louise Wilcox. Died 50 years, 7 months, 19 days. 19 days. This guy cared so much about his wife that he etched in granite the number of days that he was with that she was with him. Nineteen days. I thought, oh, that's really that's really sweet. That's really loving. And I kind of walked around the monument. And then on this side it has the name of Sarah Wilcox and there's a different name, like Smith, their married daughter, died age twenty-three. And then it had their granddaughter, the baby of their daughter died one year, two months. Wow. Then I walked around to the other side of the monument and it said, our beloved son, Robert Thomas, died one year, two months, seven days. And then right with him was another one that said, no name, Infant boy, four days. That was the Wilcox family at the turn of the 1800s into the 1900s. We forget what it was like here even a 100 years ago in America. People died a lot. Little children died a lot, as they do in most of the places in the world, and as they were doing in Jesus' day. So when Jesus said, she's not dead, dead. She's sleeping. These people laugh at him because we know dead. And this girl, trust us, buddy, is dead. But of course, for Jesus, death is like sleeping. He has power over that. What an amazing thing. Talitha Kum, he tells the synagogue leader's daughter, get up, little girl. And she does. Oh, and give her something to eat. I'm telling you, you can't make that up. There's so much reality in that statement, so much verisimilitude. The only way that happened was one of those guys, Peter, James, or John, who was in that room, saw that happen. Heard those words, and it never, ever left their mind for the rest of the days of their life. They saw a little girl brought back from the dead, and they heard Jesus say, give her something to eat. And that picture, that story, never left their head. Oh, did I say This is the word of the Lord. Today's story within a story tells us, as I said, much about God, much about ourselves. A synagogue ruler named Jairus, afraid that his daughter is about to die, comes to Jesus to see if he'll heal her. Jesus doesn't hesitate, as he does in other times. He follows right away. He takes off. But then there's this whole crowd that's sort of pressing in on him and, you know, going along the way with Jesus. And uh, it's in the the midst of, of that bustling crowd that this woman, unseen by Jesus, sort of humbly sneaks up to him and reaches out and touches the hem of his garment, hoping that after 12 years of suffering, she might at last be healed. Now... What happens here is really weird. Even in the midst of all the jostling, Jesus clearly feels her unique presence. A lot of other people are touching him in the crowd, right? They're jostling, they're rubbing shoulders. But her touch is different. As far as I can tell, this particular healing of Jesus is like no other in the Gospels. It is absolutely unique. Because here, someone is healed, and Jesus doesn't even consciously do it. That's weird. You know what? It, it says there that he, he doesn't even know who it is that he's healed. He says he feels it. He feels it. It's like power has gone out from him. That's weird, don't you think? It's like he has this healing power sort of stored up inside him and all it needs is some faith to kind of create a conduit for it to shoot out and connect and to heal. It's sort of like Jesus has in his person, sort of like his his default mode is heal. He's ready to heal at an instant. All he needs is some faith nearby. Which sort of makes me ask the question about us. What's your default setting? Is it set to heal on the dial? Is it set to scan for the hurting, the hopeless, the desperate? In your own way, can you be like Jesus, that you allow your power, your money, your attention, your time to flow out of you even when you don't know who it might be helping, that's, that's face. That kind of default setting. My wife, uh, Paulette, is into um, puzzles. She's really into s- Sudoku. Did I say that right? Yeah. But now she's branched out. She's like into like all kinds of puzzles, particularly word puzzles. And you know, it's summer, so I thought, perfect time for a puzzle, right? So we'll, we'll do this puzzle together. This is called Way Words, and it works like this. Here's what you got to do. There's a little seven-word thought that's in the middle of this, and it starts with the word where. So you can go out, you can go up or down from where, or left to right, or you can go diagonally. To create the seven-word thought. Where should we go next? Where what? Where are? Where are? Where are what? Where are packing seems everybody kindness conclude? Where what? Where guests are, where guests what? Oh, where guests welcome? Where guests welcome what? Let me try it. This one you don't see coming. Here we go. Where welcome, ah, now what? This was a little stumper of a. Where welcome is lacking, good, good, good. Guests are packing. You guys are awesome. It's that first, that first, second word or so. That's tough in there, isn't it? Yeah, that's our little message for the day. Where welcome is lacking, guests are packing. That's kind of nice, isn't it? A visitor came here to Yorkfield a couple of weeks back. They'd called here the night before and caught me on the phone. And they came up to me after worship as they were leaving to tell me, oh, uh, we're the ones that called you last night. And I said, well, uh, how was worship? What do you think of the place? And they said, fine. But nobody said hi to me. Nobody greeted me. I said, Yorkfield? Now, I'm not saying that it was true of this particular visitor, but there are a lot of extremely desperate people in the world, in this world that we live in. Their lives are a mess. Their hope is on zero. They, they're teetering on the edge of despair. Their lives have maybe been a mess for years. And sometimes in their desperation they do crazy stuff. They go out into a crowd to try and touch somebody's hem of a garment to be healed or they do something really crazy and come to church hoping that maybe in that place, just maybe, they might be greeted by someone who might genuinely care about them. Who might be able to share the power of God's grace through a smile or A simple handshake. I know, I know. It's Sunday. You haven't had a chance to see your friends all week. And when you spot their face in the lobby, uh, before worship, after worship, all you can do is, oh, I need to talk to them. And all your attention goes there. But, if our friends are the only ones that we have eyes for, Who's watching for the desperate, for the lonely, and for the lost? Which makes us ask the question Are you just one of the crowd crowding him? This crowd that will eventually crowd him to the cross? Or are you desperate to be touching him? He knows the difference. He can clearly feel the difference. Are you just one of the crowd trying to, to catch sight of the phenom to get a glimpse of Jesus and his celebrity? Or are you desperate too? We know this woman with the 12-year-long hemorrhage is desperate. I mean, she's so desperate. She's out in a crowd. She, she's in the street. She has this crazy plan that she's going to sneak up on Jesus and touch his garment. That would be a weird plan in 2009. It was a weird plan in the year 31. It was embarrassing and she did it. She was desperate. And Jerry is a synagogue leader, he's desperate. He's desperate about the health of his daughter. How desperate is he? We can tell he's desperate because he's a synagogue leader. Synagogue leaders don't go to Jesus and ask for favors. The synagogue leaders are the ones who are trying to kill Jesus. They're the ones that are out to get him. They're the ones in the end that help put him on the cross. But this guy is desperate. What about you? How desperate are you? Are you crowding him? Or are you touching him? The Bible says that all of us are in a desperate situation. Some of us just don't know it yet. See, the whole point of having a Savior is that you got to be saved from something. And if you don't have a desperate understanding of what you're being saved from or of how desperate that situation is, you don't know. If you haven't experienced the power of God in your life yet to heal, to make whole, to bring life It might just be because you haven't figured out yet how desperate your situation is. Maybe it is time that we ask ourselves, am I crowding him or am I desperate to be touching him?
0: me to your side and as I bleed, i rise up like the eagle and I will soar with you. Your spirit will be on in the power of your love. And I will soar with you Your spirit eats me on In the power of your love
1: Let me share these um stories of concern and of joy um, within the congregation and um, those related to those of us in the congregation as well. Um, Joy's Mark Carlson reports that his mother recovered from her knee surgery and has gone home um, back to Florida. She wants to thank all of her friends here at YPC uh, for their support. Winnie and Ted Schomburg's son, Ted Jr., came through surgery just fine and is home now, uh, recovering well, we're thankful for that. Lucy Pillinger had a surgery uh, yesterday morning at Omers Hospital. Uh, the surgery went well. They're waiting for some results of biopsies. And um, she should be home hopefully by Wednesday at the latest. We're thankful for that. Barb Silligmuller fell, cracked some ribs, and is home uh, trying to recover for that. Don't call her up and make her laugh. Um, Nancy Wilson's friend, Kathy Zeiss, uh, who many of you know if you work at PADS, she is the uh, PADS coordinator director at the Grace Lutheran Church where we work on the third Friday night, Saturday morning of the of the winter of the month, uh, every all winter long. Uh, she shared with Nancy that her son Tim, uh, who's just 26, uh, found out that he has an inoperable brain tumor, and he's starting chemotherapy. So remember Tim and Kathy and all the family in your prayers. And uh, Nancy Wilson's niece, Erin Wilson, is having surgery on Tuesday for an ovarian cyst. And then we just learned that um, uh, Cindy Allen, um, her sister-in-law Sandy, died this week. Um, at, and uh, so we ask that you pray for all of Sandy's family, the Allens and the others, uh, in their time of grieving. And... Um, other prayers for uh, B. Marquez's friend Ernie with bone cancer. Uh, we're thankful that Kim uh, Lavenka is recovering from her bunion surgery. It's turned out to be a pretty big deal. Um, it's going to be a few more weeks yet. We ask for prayers for that. Um, continuing prayers for uh, John Brown, uh, who has all kinds of health issues, and uh, Solveig Pedersen uh, for Carol Spittler undergoing um, chemotherapy. Gordon Crombie facing possible surgery lots of folks what joys or concerns would you like to add to the this list Dan for youth on mission trips. We had a a group from Osawatomie, Kansas, Presbyterian Church here on Friday night, sleeping in the building, as our kids sleep in other places wherever they go. So it's that time of the year, traveling youths in churches. Yes, Barb? Hey, Barb. It's it's just that pew. All right. That is kind of rare. A Mancone girl has been born. A niece to, to Leslie and Steve. others Yes Hmm What's her name Danny Sandy I'm sorry Old ears any others? Let's pray. Living God, certainly your default setting is on Heal. Your setting is cranked up all the way to life eternal. Your unspoken and and yet scream to the heights request is that we would know life and know it abundantly. That we not be trapped by fear to reach out to you or fear of any kind. that hungering and thirsting for righteousness and desperation we might come to you, to have our hearts changed and our lives changed, to be made whole and complete. Lord, this entire litany, this list of, of broken bodies, of grieving families, You knew all about them before they left our lips this morning. And we know that they have always been upon your heart. But we lift them up among ourselves as a community of faith. We lift them up as our brothers and sisters, as your children. For we know that As they hurt, so also you hurt for them. We pray for healing and for wholeness. We pray for courage. We pray for comfort. We know that a day is coming when you will wipe away every tear from our eyes. You are a God who keeps your promises. Help us to reach out in our own lives. To not pretend that we have it all together for you know otherwise. But to reach out to touch you and to be touched by you. To be healed of our brokenness, of our heartache, of our fickleness, of our stubborn will. Gracious God in a world that is itself hurting and broken in so many places. Help us not to despair or equally to turn a blind eye, but to be about the work that you've given each of us to do, each in our own unique way when we leave this sanctuary to be making families whole, to be ushering in the kingdom in our communities, to be bringing light and salt and hope at work and throughout the world, wherever you call us. That's our job, a job that we are very conscious of that we cannot do on our own. So we ask you to send your Holy Spirit to guide us, to help us make good choices, and then to give us strength to persevere. This we pray, Lord of the universe and intimate keeper of our hearts, as we pray the prayer that your Son taught us, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, Let's stand and sing our last song together today.
0: Mighty is our God. Mighty is our God. Mighty is our God. of everything, glory, glory to our God, glory to our King, glory to our Lord, ruler of everything. His name is higher, higher than any other name, His power is greater, for He is created every day. God, mighty is our King, mighty is our Lord, ruler of everything, glory to our God, glory to our King, glory to our Lord, ruler of everything, his name is higher, higher than any of the name, our Creator, for He has created everything. Mighty is our God. Mighty is our Lord. Mighty is our Lord. Through every breath we take, glory, glory to our God. Glory to our King. Glory to our Lord, the ruler of everything. Amen.
1: What was that phrase again? Where welcome is lacking, guests are packing. Where welcome is lacking, guests are packing. We are most thankful that that does not hold true for our gracious God. Because when Jesus showed up on earth, how was he welcomed? We beat him and mocked him and laughed at him and spit upon him and hung him on a cross. He had every reason to pack and never return. But he chose instead to continue to love us always and forever. His living presence is with us now. He goes with us from this place. Know that the love of God, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, are with you now and forever. Amen.
0: Amen. Hurry! 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 I Hurry! 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 Life. The November Green glory, glory, i the week, the week, the week, the week, the the week, the